0: Just a couple of seconds, there we go. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guest today has been on the show before. His name is Dr. Andrew Klonicki. He's local up here. He's been a doctor almost 50 years. And he's written this wonderful new book called Bypass. I'll link to it below in both the chat and the show notes. We're going to be talking about the book. But first, he's going to give a wonderful presentation that he's given in medical schools. By the way, if you haven't seen his previous episode, he makes the world's best zucchini muffins. You'll have to check that out. But the presentation he's going to be give, giving in just a moment is about the role that nutrition and health has in preventing and reversing chronic disease. Please welcome Dr. Klonicky back to the show. What have you been up to since your last appearance on Chef AJ Live, which I think was July of last
1: year? Could be, yeah. <laughs> um, well, babysitting grandkids, babysitting son's dogs, uh, gardening, we went to Japan on hey everyone, a
0: trip. And welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this I'm is- sorry about that. I don't know what's happening, happening with this.
1: Babysitting grandkids, babysitting sons' dogs, uh, gardening. We went to Japan on I'm a, sure
0: a and Welcome to Chef AJ Live your host, Why Chef does that keep happening? i sorry, sorry about that. I don't know what's you happening with
1: this. Babysitting grandkids, babysitting sons' dogs, uh, gardening.
0: We went to Japan on why you sorry about that, Dr. Klonke. I'm trying to multi-stream and this is what happens. Dogs and kids. If you babysit dogs, I have a dog.
1: Oh gosh. You know, uh, like my neighbor said, Oh, you've got your granddog. And I said, Yeah, he's going home tomorrow, thank God. <laughs>
0: That's funny, because you don't you don't actually have a dog. So
1: we do not have a dog. We've been been there, done that, and that that was good when it when it lasted. So nice.
0: Well, are you enjoying your retirement or semi-retirement?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, well, yes, but you know, I'm kind of a people person, so I do miss the people, and yeah, you know, that's really the only thing that I miss. And you know, I guess when I retired, my thought was that. My most precious commodity at this point in my life was time, and I had less of it. So I better get about what I wanted to do. And of course, you know, writing a book was one of the things. And, you know, I've also tried to relearn how to play the piano, which is going, but a little bit slowly. And, you know, I think my wife, Kathy, was excited to have me spend more time at home. Although the first couple of months, she had to keep reminding me that I was not her boss. And he was not, I was not the manager, but after we got over that, everything has been fine.
0: <laughs> That's funny. It must've been an adjustment. Cause I know that working at home, you know, I'm used to my husband going out now we both work at home. And sometimes I wish he would just go out, you know? Yeah,
1: Yeah. Don't you, you go, don't you have something to do? <laughs>
0: That's funny. That is funny. I love it. Have you ever thought about like having a second career as a plant-based doctor?
1: Uh, no, I, I'm I'm content of doing the lectures at the medical school. And there's also a fellow in town, um, an Indian fellow by the name of Gopal Kapoor. You may or may not have met him, but he has a um, 503C Corporation Family Green Survival. And he uh, does a lot of fundraising to provide food uh, for uh, hungry families. And his foods are probably 99% plant-based. So I do some stuff with him. I've presented with him at the Rotary. And uh, I guess I'm on his, his board, although he doesn't seem to need me for much advice, except every now and then. Um, so I don't think that I would want a regular gig just because um, you know, we get called to do stuff intermittently. And I wouldn't be able to do that with a regular gig. Although one of the things I've also been doing is I I thought since I majored in chemistry in college, I might want to substitute teach chemistry either at high school or the local junior college. But uh, in preparation for that, I, I bought a general chemistry book, which is now 900 pages long and costs $345. And I'm surprised that they... You'd think that in chemistry, everything would stay the same, but no, now quantum physics has been applied to chemistry and and things are slightly different, but it's been interesting.
0: Cool. I love that you're making great use of your retirement. What medical schools do you uh, lecture at?
1: Uh, Mostly just at Cal North State, which is down in uh, Elk Grove.
0: Oh, nice. I didn't know we had a medical school up
1: here. It's a private medical school as opposed to like UC Davis.
0: Nice. Are you doing any, anything at Kaiser?
1: I uh, am not, no. Uh, although I've kind of thought about it. I, Other than, you know, I've written some letters and, and bugged uh, the physician administrators about being more plant-based. I've not done anything within the facilities itself.
0: Nice. Well, it sounds like you're keeping
1: busy. Absolutely. I have to write myself a note at night as to what I did. And I go, oh, my gosh, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. Well, I can't wait to see your presentation.
1: Okay, should we share? Share screen. Start away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if I can do this. Um, Okay, Uh, Did I make it?
0: Yeah. It's just you want to change the mode. You know what I mean? To not see your slides on the left if you can.
1: Okay, just going to like uh, uh, either
0: either a slideshow, maybe go to slideshow
1: is, or it, click from right.
0: start. I I see I see slideshow there. It's two two more over. One more over is slideshow. There, to, yeah, one more to the right.
1: Okay, it's kind of hidden by the. Uh, oh, there we go. Oh, wrong one.
0: It, it can be played from start or it, uh, you, you you've hit the it, Slide show. There, there you go.
1: There we go. All right. That's perfect. Now we're live. Okay. Well, very good. Okay. So, all righty. Nutrition and health. Uh, and certainly, I think diet is one of the things that has a significant role in both preventing and reversing chronic disease. Uh, I think my last five years in practice, I focused on lifestyle medicine and I did become board certified in lifestyle medicine because I don't think that we put enough emphasis in medicine on how lifestyle affects you know, our health. Um, you know, We just went through this uh, coronavirus, this COVID epidemic, and it was a big deal about all the people that died from COVID. So in two years, little over 5 million people died from COVID, but at the same time, 34 million people died of heart disease. Another 30 million died of uh, strokes. So that's almost 50 million people that died of vascular disease. Almost 10 million people died of cancer, or I'm sorry, almost 20 million, and a little over 8 million people died of diabetes. And we we certainly haven't had the same response to these deaths that we had to the COVID deaths. And by the way, a lot of the people who died of COVID had these same underlying uh, predisposing conditions, vascular disease, cancers, and diabetes. So it was probably even worse than these statistics would say. Uh, there was a fellow, a physician by the name of um, J. Michael McGinnis who analyzed why people died early. So their definition was if you died before age 80, that was early death. And the green bars represent what they found in 1990 and the gold bars, what they found in 2010. And in 1990, the leading killer was tobacco. Uh, But by 2010, 20 years later, uh, tobacco deaths had fallen, and the leading cause of early death was related to diet and exercise uh, activity. Uh, That killed more people early than all the other causes to the right of that uh, combined. So the question that you'd have to ask yourself is, if diet is a problem, what parts of the diet actually cause the issue? And if you look at cancer and heart disease deaths around the world, and you look at what people eat in those countries, there's there's a, a trend that emerges The green bar represents the percentage of calories from unrefined plant foods. So that means anything above the green bar, those are calories that come from either animal uh, foods or refined foods. So in the United States, we eat over 85% of our food is either refined or animal protein, and our likelihood of dying early from heart disease and cancer is almost 80%. Whereas if you compare that to some of the Asian countries where most of the food is either plants or is not refined, their likelihood of dying early from these diseases are are very, very low. And it's not because we don't spend the money, because we do. The dark purple line represents how much we spend per capita in the United States on health care. And it's significantly more than any other country. And when you look at survival, the lilac line, we don't really get what we pay for. You know, the Japanese live a good five years longer than we do. And the Cubans, who spend one-tenth as much as what we do, are, you know, live just as long. So it's not a matter of, of the money. And in fact, we may have to spend that much money because we have a lot of sick people in this country. Uh, if you look at the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development data, which, uh, which uh, looks at the health outcomes in 34 countries, Europe, Turkey, Israel, uh, North America, uh, Japan, Korea, We in the United States have the second highest incidence of chronic disease. There's 22 countries that have less cardiovascular disease. 31 countries have less diabetes, 27 less prostate cancer, 28 less breast cancer. We do lead in one category. We are actually the most obese of all, and 27 countries live longer than what we do. It's kind of interesting. About 15 years ago, I read um, the China study by T. Colin Campbell, and this graphic really touched close to home. It talked about heart disease death rates for men aged 55 to 59. I think I was 61 at the time. And the relationship between consumption of animal protein and heart disease death rate was almost one to one. Looking at twenty different countries, the more ca- total calories coming from animal protein, the more likely that you are going to die early of heart disease. So you, you kind of wonder you want you want the question you want to ask is what actually causes vascular disease? I call it atherosclerosis, but we're going to talk vascular disease, heart attacks, and strokes. And it seems like the basis, the underlying cause is endothelial dysfunction. Now the endothelium is what lines our arteries and it can kind of take care of itself. Uh, It actually does so by releasing a chemical called nitric oxide. And nitric oxide prevents the buildup of plaques. It's anti-inflammatory and it promotes vasodilation. It keeps our arteries open and open fully. But When there's endothelial dysfunction, we get decreased production of nitric oxide. And this endothelial dysfunction is mostly fat-induced. You can measure it after a fatty meal. The arteries are less likely to respond to stimuli that would otherwise cause more dilatation of the blood vessels. The decreased production of nitric oxide also leads to more platelet adhesion, And consequently, coagulation so that you can get clotting within the blood vessels. Once the endothelium begins to dysfunction, the vessel wall can be attacked by low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, the, the bad cholesterol. And once the cholesterol is there, this sets up progressive inflammation within the vessel wall. There's uh, cells that are, uh, are uh, brought into this area to di- digest the cholesterol, they produce foam cells, and now you've got buildup of plaque. Uh, one other factor involved in uh, uh, vascular damage and in, in, in vascular disease is trimethylamine oxide. Um, this comes from the ingestion of red meat and ahi, ahi tuna, The carnitine is metabolized by bacteria in our guts, producing trimethylamine, gets absorbed, goes to the liver, oxidized, and then this enters the damaged vessel walls, increases inflammation as well as the macrophage migration, and eventually you get plaque rupture or calcification. So when we talk about inflammation, I know this is a very, very busy slide, but I want to point out a couple of things. Acute inflammation is important. If we get a cut or there's some sort of tissue damage, the body responds, responds in a certain way and it releases these chemicals which create an acute inflammatory reaction. Like say, if you get a cut on your arm, you might notice that there's redness, some swelling, you know, some exudate. But once the damage is healed, usually there's resolution of inflammation. But if you enter a situation in which there's chronic inflammation, then all these things on the bottom two thirds of the side are released into the system. And these are chemicals that can be harmful to normal tissue, particularly on the far left, ROS and RNS are reactive oxygen uh, species and reactive nitrogen species. And they can damage DNA causing mutations which is actually the start of cancer. But all of these chemicals in this inflammatory microenvironment can lead to progression and spread of of tumors once the damage has occurred. Um, These mutations that we talk about as the very start of cancer can happen by chance, but usually the body knows how to correct that. But they can also come, uh, can be formed due to chronic inflammation and chronic inflammation we've seen can be caused by diet heme iron and red meat too much fat high heat cooking but there's other things that can produce the free radicals as well lack of exercise smoking stress pollutants infections radiation and so these mutations can be of all different kinds you know they can they can it can be a mutation that cancels the proofreading function allowing more mutations to be made It can be a mutation that stops making the proteins that halt cell proliferation, and now tumor cells can grow unhalted, or it can produce proteins that prompt cells to grow in the absence of the usual stimuli, or it can allow mutated cells to separate, spread, and put down new blood vessels, what we call angiogenesis. How do you prevent biddings of cancer? Well, it's all about avoiding the oxidative stress from the excess free radicals. Now, a free radical is a molecule capable of independent existence, but with an unpaired electron. Cells to atoms to be stable need to have paired electrons uh, in their in their shells, in their, particularly in the outer shell around the nucleus. So if there's an unpaired electron this chemi- this molecule is highly reactive and unstable and it wants to get or give an electron so that it has an even number and the easiest targets are either lipid and I mentioned the oxidized LDL cholesterol earlier or DNA which produces a mutation now free radicals are important when we have an infection but it's only a problem if there's an imbalance. (laughs) Now, the cells do have a safety net that can repair DNA, but if it's overwhelmed by any of these sources, pollution, toxic chemicals, cigarettes, um, ingesting red meat, high fat foods, high heat cooking of meat, then all of a sudden now you're at risk for mutations. Switching over to diabetes a little bit, uh, it's important to know how the body, how the cells usually uh, accumulate uh, glucose for their metabolism. Uh, Insulin is what unlocks the the cell uh, so that the glucose channel gets opened. So when insulin hits the cell receptor, the channel usually gets opened. But in type two diabetes, even when insulin hits the cell, the glucose channel stays closed because uh, the mitochondria and inside the cell, the furnace of the cell, has been sated by um, free fatty acids. And it says, hey, I'm full, I don't need any glucose. So what happens is the cells become resistant to the effects of insulin. Uh, Liver, muscle, and fat cells no longer take up glucose So glucose stays in the blood vessel, and all of a sudden now you've got high blood sugar. And as I mentioned already, it's caused by elevated saturated free fatty acids uh, going into the cell and causing the glucose transport system to be closed. And the free fatty acids come from two sources. One, the ingestion of saturated fats. And number two, uh, the conversion of I'm sorry, the conversion of excess refined sugars to free fatty acid in the liver. And by the way, even worse than refined sugar uh, is is high fructose corn syrup, which is converted into free fatty acids at a rate seven times faster than glucose. So when the body notices that there's excess sugar in the bloodstream, it starts releasing more and more insulin. And now this is problematic because while insulin is good to get glucose into cells, increased insulin production also causes increased oxidative stress and therefore more free radicals. It's pro-inflammatory. It it contributes to endothelial dysfunction and it causes, causes hypertrophy or overgrowth of the coronary vascular smooth muscle, which just contributes to the narrowing of the arteries. So looking at these three diseases, we can see that there's some common factors involved in all of those. Inflammation, saturated fats, refined sugars, endothelial dysfunction, free radicals, TMAO, and insulin resistance. So if we're going to construct a healthy diet, we have to construct a diet that actually counters these negative influences. So we need to avoid pro-inflammatory foods and increase anti-inflammatory foods. We have to decrease our intake of saturated fats. We have to avoid added sugars. We have to avoid foods causing endothelial dysfunction. And this is, this is, this is basically avoiding fat, especially expelled oils canola, coconut, olive oil, any expelled oil. Uh, And we have to increase our antioxidants in the diet to fight any possible mutations that the body hasn't corrected on its own. We have to avoid foods that lead to the production of trimethylamine, red meat, ahi tuna, egg whites. We have to increase our intake of fiber. Fiber lines our intestines and keeps toxins and bacteria from entering the system. Uh, fiber slows the absorption of carbohydrates, decreasing insulin release. And remember, too much insulin is harmful, as we noted on a previous slide. And fiber promotes growth of beneficial bacteria. And when we have beneficial bacteria, these produce uh, small chain fatty acids, which are actually anti inflammatory. And The more fiber we have in our intestine, uh, uh, satiety is promoted. We feel fuller, and we will consume fewer calories and have less issues with obesity. And we also have to increase the intake of antigenic foods. Remember, tumors can only spread if they're able to lay down new blood vessels. And if we eat foods that prevent angiogenesis, then we're not going to have spread of any cancer cells that are in our system. Pro-inflammatory foods, um, added sugars, four grams of the teaspoon. And you really should limit to absolutely no more than 10 grams and probably less. Trans fats, they're in a lot of foods that people think of as healthy. Granola bars, Special K, Uh, cookies. Excess omega-6 fatty acids, Uh, oils are very high in omega-6 fatty acids, refined carbohydrates, white bread, bagels, pizza dough, donuts, white rice, processed meats, no more bologna, advanced glycation end products, that's high heat cooking of foods, heme iron and red meat. On the other hand, the foods that we should be eating are anti-inflammatory. Foods high in omega-3 fatty acids, nuts, leafy greens, flax, foods that are high in antioxidants, tomatoes, green tea, cruciferous vegetables, mushrooms, fermented foods, onions, foods rich in polyphenols, 100% cocoa, cytokine reducers. Cytokine is one of the inflammatory chemicals released in chronic inflammation. Garlic actually reduces cytokines. Prebiotics and probiotics, which feed our, back, our intestinal bacteria, which then produce the anti-inflammatory small chain, short chain fatty acids. Additional considerations. You do want to decrease saturated fat. Mostly only comes to you from animal protein, but uh, you know, a lot of people think of coconut oil as very healthy, but it's very high in saturated fat. Avoid the added sugars. And you can see that on a nutrition label, which we'll look at later as added sugars. Avoid expelled oils to avoid endothelial dysfunction, including the plant-based oils, coconut, palm, EVOO. You can cook with water, broth, beer, or wine, but you have to watch for the hidden oils on any listing of ingredients. Increase your antioxidants, flavonoids from plants, berries, tree nuts, tree fruits, nuts, and beans, vegetables, spices, 40 plus gram of of fiber per day comes from unprocessed carbohydrates, legumes, fruits, vegetables, anti-angiogenic foods, fruit, cruciferous vegetables, mushrooms, tomato, garlic, soybeans, pre- and probiotics, garlic, onion, leeks, grains, anything fermented. You don't need to take a tablet for that. You can get your pre- and probiotics from food. So reviewing and going back to vascular disease, atherosclerosis, what are the foods that cause atherosclerosis? Excess fats, pro-inflammatory foods, elevated LDL cholesterol. You're only going to get that from animal protein, including eggs and dairy, carnitine and choline-containing foods. So a dietary approach to vascular disease, coronary artery disease, should be should include anything that limits fats, fats and saturated fat intake, eliminate processed foods, avoid the pro-inflammatory food, um, anything high in omega-6 fatty acids, heme iron, refined sugars, focus on anti-inflammatory foods and foods high in antioxidants, reduce insulin resistance. Does that work? well? Here's the results from a study done by Caldwell Esselstyn at the Cleveland Clinic. He had 198 patients that uh, entered his program, which was a whole foods, plant-based, very low-fat program. Uh, now, most people, a lot of physicians will say, well, patients just can't adhere to that. Well, almost 90% of his patients did adhere to that. Uh, and out of those 177 patients, 144 improved. And not only that, but out of those 144, 39 actually had reversal of their disease. 18 got worse, but compared to the non-adherent group, 62% of the non-adherent group got worse. None got better, whereas in the adherent groups, 81% got better and only 10% got worse. So besides the symptomatic improvement, there was actually anatomic improvement. Your images on the left are a heart perfusion scan. Red and yellow are good. Green is not. And you could see that after the treatment, there was a restoration of improvement along the inferior and lateral aspect of the heart wall and on angiogram on your left the, the squiggly worm-like looking structure is a coronary artery and you can see the artery on the left prior to treatment is a little bit ratty and moth eaten whereas there's com- re- complete restoration of flow uh, on the other side on the on the right side after treatment so the proof is a, the proof is ample that going on a diet can actually improve, and in some cases, reverse vascular disease. Dietary approach to cancer. <clears throat> well, the most important thing to do is to reduce free radical production so that you don't have uh, mutations. So anything that will decrease inflammation is good, And but you should also supplement with antioxidants. Now, berries, tree fruits, nuts and beans, vegetables, spices, And if a mutation does escape, you don't want it to grow. Anything that makes uh, mutations grow, we call it a tumor promoter, uh, is the same thing that might make normal cells grow. For instance, estrogens um, make young girls become women, testosterone make young boys become men, produce a lot of growth, and they can stimulate cancer cells as well. And we know that Estrogen levels rise with increased animal protein consumption. American women have some of the highest estrogen levels in the world. Testosterone goes up with higher milk consumption. Casein and dairy products is also a tumor promoter, which is very nicely demonstrated by Dr. Campbell in his study with uh, rats. Uh, and you want to eat foods that reduce the ability of any of these cells to lay down blood vessels. Now, there's a couple of other things that we need to discuss. I've mentioned the bacteria in the intestine, what we call the gut microbiome. The Having healthy bacteria within the gut relies on fiber, and the combination of the two help maintain the integrity of the intestinal lining so that you don't get a leaky gut or entry of toxins. And You also want to make sure that you have the right bacteria living in your intestine. And that all depends upon the ingestion of fiber, prebiotics, and probiotics. Eating the wrong foods leads to the wrong bacteria. If you eat a lot of red meat, you get carnitine-loving bacteria, and then you end up with the trimethylamine, which feeds into atherosclerosis. And even uh, artificial sweeteners like trehalose, you can develop... uh, a type of bacteria called Clostridium difficile, which makes patients very sick. And also, uh, the right intestinal bacterias produce the short-chain fatty acids, which act as an in- anti-inflammatory. So constructing a nutritional plan, this is redundant a little bit, I know, but We need to decrease our intake of fat, especially saturated fat, which comes from animal protein, dairy, and eggs. We have to avoid pro-inflammatory foods, the heme iron and red meat, baked goods, refined sugars. We have to increase our intake of anti-inflammatory foods. And we have to increase our intake of fiber, uh, which comes from unrefined carbohydrates, beans, legumes, fruits, vegetables, prebiotics, and probiotics. Uh, We have to counter free radicals, so more antioxidants. And the cruciferous vegetables in particular are very good because they are actually anti-carcinogenic should uh, should a mutation or two escape from detection. We want to decrease our tumor promoters, and we want to decrease tumor progression, which are the anti-angiogenic foods, soy, garlic, red grapes, tomatoes, green tea, And um, the thing that's kind of interesting is that oftentimes after breast cancer, women would be prescribed tamoxifen. Tamoxifen is an anti-angiogenic drug. And actually soy and garlic are as anti-angiogenic as tamoxifen. And you want to avoid high caloric density foods, meat oils, refined carbohydrates, dairy. So What kind of diet is that? Well, that would be what we call a whole food plant-based diet. It focuses on four food groups, beans, grains, fruits, and vegetables. Minimizes or actually even better eliminates processed foods, refined sugars, and all animal protein. And you don't have to worry. It provides all the essential uh, and non-essential amino acids that a body needs. It's anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, anti-carcinogenic. It's definitely low in fat and high in fiber. You know, we talk about processed and unprocessed grains. And if you look at a grain, the grain is made up of three things. Uh, the bran, which is the outer coating, which provides protects the seed. The germ, which is nourishment for the seed. And then the endosperm, which is energy for the seed. When grains are refined, the bran is removed as well as the germ. And the only thing that's left is the endosperm. So a refined grain loses its fiber, its B vitamins, its vitamin E, its minerals, and its phytochemicals, the, the chemicals that plants use to fight foreign invaders and that are important for us. And so all the good stuff is removed. And the reason it's removed is that there's no shelf life. If you leave the germ and the brand, uh, the product will go rancid. So um, industry has removed all the good stuff just so that they can sell you a product that doesn't go rancid. How do you know if it's a whole grain? Well, that's a long story so a lot of things that sound good, brand, multi-grain, organic, uh, wheat flour, wheat germ, they're probably not whole grain. Whereas on the right side, these things are all likely whole grain. We know quinoa is rye, anything stone ground whole, uh, wild rice, bulgur, barley. These things are whole grains. Another quick point about eating plants rather than animals. If you look at the vegetable to animal protein intake ratio, uh, the higher the ingestion of vegetable protein relative to animal protein, so say your ratio is 5.0, your hip fracture incidence from osteoporosis is almost zero. However, if you have a ratio of one to one, animal to vegetable to animal protein intake, you have a very, very high incidence of osteoporosis and hip fracture. So, eating plants is good for your bones. The other thing it's good for is for fighting obesity. I believe this is Chef AJ's chart. Sorry, Chef. Hi, <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, but
0: I think the thing
1: that's, you know, I, I think the thing that most people don't recognize is that you got to eat enough food in a meal to feel full. And you may have to eat a pound to pound and a half of food uh, to feel full so that you're done with eating. You know, most diets fail because people are hungry, you know, and the beauty of eating foods under the green line, vegetables, fruits, unprocessed carbohydrates, is that you can eat a lot of this and you will definitely feel full. If you, on the other hand, uh, I think, Uh, protein, uh, animal protein falls into the 1,200 to 1,800 calorie. You know, if you're going to eat, you know, a a big piece of animal protein, you're going to exceed your caloric requirements just by eating that. And then if you add some oil to it, look how dense oil is. Oil is 4,000 calories per pound. Um, Meat is around 1,500 calories per pound. Now, there are some healthy foods on the right side of the vertical red line, that are good for you, but they're also very calorically dense, so you have to limit the intake. Avocados, nuts, seeds, nut butters, tahini, and it kind of looks like this. So I borrowed this from Forks Over Knives. You know, you have to fill your stomach, you know, with food to feel full. Five hundred calories. You know, if you're if you're a five foot ten male. You probably need about 1,800 calories a day. Um, So that means you need about 600 calories per meal. Um, If you're eating meat, you barely fill your stomach half full. Uh, You're going to be hungry. There's no way that you're going to be able to sustain that. But once you start adding fruits and veggies, potatoes and rice, you can definitely fill your stomach, feel sated, and you'll have success in losing weight. Principles of caloric density. When hungry, eat until comfortable. Don't starve or stuff. Sequence your meals. Start with low-density foods first. Best not to drink your calories, although if you want to start with a you know, nice vegetable broth or miso broth, that's probably not bad. Dilution is your solution. Fill half the plate with whole grains, starchy vegetables and or legumes, and the other half with vegetables and fruit. Be aware of the impact of vegetables versus oil. Vegetables lower your caloric density, oil, fat, oils and fats raise it. Limit high caloric density foods, dried foods, nuts, high fat plant foods. You know, when we have Mexican food, we do like guacamole, but we substitute um, mashed peas for half the avocado. You Can't really tell, it reduces the caloric density. And we get a whole bunch of fiber and protein out of the peas. When we have pasta, we replace half of the pasta with uh, spiralized zucchini. You can't tell once the marinara sauce is on there. Now there are other diets that people will ask about. Uh, the Mediterranean diet is a fairly decent diet, but most people who say they follow it don't really follow it. And the emphasis is on fruits, vegetables, and grains. Hmm. Where have we heard that before? Oh, yes, a plant-based diet. Uh, Healthy fats only, but must limit. Nuts only three times per week. And, you know, they talk about olive oil as potentially healthy, but in the Mediterranean diet, it's really only a sprinkling, less than a tablespoon per day. Moderate dairy, only three servings of yogurt or cheese per week. No red meat, three three three-ounce servings white meat or fatty fish. They avoid refined grains, other refined oils, added sugars, processed meats and foods. It's a fairly decent diet. I don't think I need the three-ounce servings of white meat or fatty fish. And in our house, we don't do dairy or cheese. Um, Other low animal, animal protein diets, you know, vegan is no animal products, but there's no emphasis on good stuff. You know, they don't talk about removing grains, oils, or other processed foods, fruit and vegetable ingestion, not stressed. And there's a lot of vegan foods that are unhealthy. In fact, it's interesting. That's one of the more frequent questions that I get is why are there so many obese vegans? Well, you know, refined sugar is vegan, you know, Uh, and same with vegetarian, which is vegan plus dairy products and eggs. Uh, there's a lot of low-carb diets, you know, and, and and it's interesting because they do recognize the role of insulin resistance and try to lower insulin by restricting carbohydrate intake. However, most low-carb diets do increase LDL and decrease endothelial function, and there's decreased longevity. Anytime you decrease your carbohydrate ingestion to less than 40%, 40% there is increased mortality. And I think one of the failures is that a lot of people like to blame carbs for everything, but, and they always say, well, a carb is a carb. Well, no, that's not really true. A refined carb is significantly different than a whole unrefined carb. uh, And there's the issue of glycemic index, how quickly a carbohydrate raises your blood sugar. And certainly if you think of five apples, which is what it takes to make a cup of apple juice, The five apples, if you eat those, that's certainly a lot healthier than drinking a cup of apple juice. Paleo, well, it's good that they stress fruits, nuts, vegetables. They eliminate high fat and ultra-processed foods. But again, carbohydrates are limited to 20%, and we already have seen that mortality rates go up. There's no whole grains, no legumes. LDL and cardiovascular disease risk go up. Testosterone goes down in men. There's increased prematurity and preeclampsia in pregnancy. Keto, the good is they avoid chips, crackers, added sugar, juice, cereal, milk, and cake. It is therapeutic in children with intractable epilepsy, but that's really probably the only people who should do keto. Again, carbohydrates are limited. Cardiovascular disease goes up. All-cause mortality goes up. Exercise performance is impaired. And there's a lot of bad side effects. So this is what the nutrition label looks like. Now, I don't call it a nutrition label. I call it a warning label. There's, no, <laughs> there's never a nutrition label on broccoli. It doesn't need one. You know, it's all good food. But I want to point out on this nutrition label, here's added sugars. This happens to be a muffin mix, which I'm sure a lot of people buy. But per baked portion. that's two muffins. So in two muffins, there's 23 grams of added sugar. So divide 23 by four and you essentially get five and three quarter teaspoons, five and three quarter teaspoons. Who would voluntarily put that much stuff in a mix to make muffins? It's just insane. And you know that most of this sugar is going to go right to the liver and it's going to be converted To free fatty acids. It's going to obstruct your cells from being able to respond to insulin. It's going to increase your chances of insulin resistance. This is poison. Now, there's a lot of people on the internet that are hawking things, and and there's a lot of fake news. I noticed one now. uh, They've said there's a thing circulating on Facebook that If you eat CBD gummies, it'll uh, resolve your hypertension and clear your arteries of vascular disease in 10 days. And they've co-opted pictures of Sanjay Gupta, who I'm sure never in his life would ever recommend uh, having CBD gummies to treat your disease. But there are reliable sources of nutrition. I like pcrm.org and nutritionfacts.org. Forksoverknives.com is great. You know, you can get, sign up for free emails from all of these people. Uh, Forksoverknives gives you a lot of recipes, some good, some not so good. But, you know, you get to try different things that sound good, and, and you do find good uh, uh, good uh, recipes. Uh, names you can trust, es- the Esselstyns, T. Colin Campbell, Neil Bernard, Mike Greger, Marion Nestle, Brenda Davis, Jeff A.J., your host. Juliana Heaver, Robert Lustig, Dean Ornish, the Plantrition Project, American College of Lifestyle Medicine, movies, Game Changers, Forks Over Knives, What the Health—these are all people that will tell you the truth about what's what to eat and what's what's going on in the world of science, nutrition science. Now, I do want to kind of end by giving you a case presentation, and to. Uh, to make, to to be full, to fully disclose uh, all information, this is me. Uh, And there was a time when I weighed quite a bit. Uh, And I I was about 60. I was about 60. And I decided to follow the advice that I gave my patients. And and that was to do my lipid panel. So this is about 15 years ago. And I go, whoa, the cholesterol and LDL are kind of high. Uh, so, uh, I, I, went to see a physician who led our phase program, which then stands for Pre- prevent heart attacks and strokes every day. And, um, you know, he said, well, you should be on a cholesterol medication. And I go, well, how, how about diet and exercise? And he says, okay, you can do that, but, you know, come back in a month and I'll put you on meds. So I did try that, uh, and it was a real struggle and I did lose some weight. And it did drop my cholesterol a little bit, but the LDL was still very high. And unbeknownst to me, he snuck in a blood sugar and voila, I've got diabetes. So now I came in and I agreed to the statin, uh, but he wanted to put me on a diabetes med. And I said, no, I'll keep working on diet and exercise. So I did that. I struggled some more. Uh, The statin worked for my cholesterol uh, and losing a few more pounds helped with the sugar. So I decided I'd continue on that particular, uh, uh, way of, of eating and exercising. But something happened in the meantime. Uh, I had a couple of episodes of weird, uh, feelings in my chest and I ended up having a six vessel coronary artery bypass surgery. Uh, Now, when I got home, one of my buddies sent me a letter, sent me a couple of books in the mail. One was The China Study by T. Colin Campbell and the other one, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease by Caldwell Esselstyn. And I literally took these to heart and I went on the Esselstyn program. And it was incredible to me that weight melted off Blood sugar normalized, goodbye diabetes, and my cholesterol level just plummeted. I stay, I cut my cholesterol pill in half, stayed the course, and despite taking only half of the cholesterol medication, my level went even lower. And so I stopped that. Uh, and uh, even with no statin, my cholesterol stayed at 121 with an HDL of 50 and an LDL of 57 and my blood sugar stayed normal. So the, there's proof in the literature that diet works for the diseases that are our biggest killers. And it certainly is proof in my own particular life that changing a lifestyle is helpful. Uh, and I might point out that one of the first speakers that we heard after converting was Jeff AJ, I think, at one of the first Sacramento VegFest down on Del Paso Boulevard. That was actually our first book that we bought, too, unprocessed.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> and so at any rate, you know, if somebody tells you, you know, mammals are supposed to eat uh, animal protein, not true. You know, there are some mammals that are quite satisfied to eat you know vegetables and grains and uh, and they do quite well and they thrive uh, and you know it, it would be very very interesting that if if you changed your lifestyle you know you could go to your doctor and and they they might have to tell you this stop eating so many vegetables I can't seem to find anything wrong with you wouldn't that be nice so anyway. I appreciate you listening to me. I told you a lot of stuff. This is stuff I tell the medical students. So it may have, some of it may be a little bit technical, but if you have interest, you can, you you know, my wife and I did write a book called Bypass the Journey to Better Health, which outlines a lot of this. And, um, you know, it does review a lot of the things that I just talked about. So thank you very much for your Mm. the privilege of your time. I appreciate it very much. Thank you,
0: Dr. Klonicki. You can stop sharing screen now. And there's uh, some questions in the chat we can answer. And let's talk about your book. The first thing I want to know is who was the friend that sent you the books after your bypass surgery?
1: Uh, he was a podiatrist that I worked with, Milt Fredenberg. That's
0: and, it. And, and he's plant-based himself, huh?
1: Pretty much so. Yeah. And, you know, so, and I think what that tells you, is it tells you uh, the power of one, you know, you can, one person can make an effect in someone else's life. And I think actually in the forward to the book, I, I do thank two people, him for sending me the books and Kathy for going along on the, on the trip and all the great recipes that she's done over the years. So,
0: Well, it is so much easier when the family or the spouse, you know, uh, supports the
1: person. Isn't oh, absolutely. It? Absolutely. It's good to have a team. You know, I mean, if, if your family won't support you, find another team, you know, (laughs) I mean, don't leave them, but, you know, I mean, you can, you can partner up with other people and that makes it a lot easier, you know, you can share duties and recipes, et cetera, et cetera.
0: How often do you speak at the medical school and do you always give this presentation or do you do other presentations and how successful has that been about getting medical students inspired to learn about plant-based diets?
1: that that is that that's a 64 million dollar question you know i usually you know i i only give two lectures on nutrition which is two more than i got when i went to medical school <laughs> and i actually do another lecture on finances but um judging by the questions that i get in the hallway and the number of people asking the questions after the lecture um, it's a minority, but it's, it's, it's a good minority. And, and they, these people are, are they're, they're cognizant and they want to know more. And so hopefully it's just a start for them. I, I feel like I should have at least a whole morning, if not a whole day, but I'm grateful for the two hours.
0: How, how often do you go?
1: Uh, once a semester.
0: Oh wow, that's nice. Yeah, one of the live viewers says, "I'm always interested in what each expert would say is the one single choice we can make to start improving your health." That's actually kind of a great question. What what like if somebody's not willing to do everything we say right away, what what's the one thing you would tell them to do and to do first?
1: Uh eat real food. I mean, you know, I think actually I start my one of my chapters that way. Um I guess I guess the thing is, make sure that you get at least 50 grams of fiber from food in your diet every day. Uh, And that would mean that actually means you would have to eat real food, (laughs) you know, because you can't eat all this processed food. There's no fiber in it Uh, and you can't eat all this animal protein, there's no fiber in that either. There's no fiber in milk. There's no fiber in dairy. Uh, most of the food that gets eaten has no fiber in it. So if you focus on getting your fiber, uh, you know, cause you're, I, cause I think that the, the, the health of your health is so dependent on what bacteria live in your intestines and, and, you know, making sure that you have good bacteria requires that you eat fiber uh and once you have the fiber you've got the right bacteria you've got protection from toxins you got protection from bacteria you're making short-chain fatty acids which are anti-inflammatory there's nothing bad you can say about it
0: Mm. yeah you wonder people like doing these carnivore diets how are they pooping i mean there's no fiber (laughs) in any animal products at all
1: i know i know well you know and the other thing too is is that um there's an odor, the more animal protein you eat, there's an odor because a lot of amino acids have sulfur and now you're emitting hydrogen sulfur, where sulfide whereas that's not the case with, uh, animal, with uh, plant, plant protein and, and plant foods.
0: That's why, that's why cat poop smells worse than dog poop.
1: Sure. <laughs> <Correct. laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. So one of the viewers is saying the body producing new blood vessels isn't necessarily a good thing?
1: Well, I I think that the thing that you don't want to do is you don't want mutated cells to be producing blood vessels because that's how you get metastatic cancers. A mutated cell can't survive if it can't establish a blood vessel. Uh, and yes, you know there's some some neoangiogenesis is required normally, but uh, we, we don't want to allow it to be unlimited.
0: Got it. Thank you. Uh, Bit is asking, to minimize cancer risk, should we limit beans to one cup a day or should we keep total calories from protein under a certain percentage? Pritikin said 13%. What are the current thoughts?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know that there's ever been a study Absolutely on that. I know that T. Colin Campbell found that when um, animal protein was increased to 20% of the diet, that that then provided a stimulus for cancer cells to grow. Whereas if you increased plant protein to 20%, cancer cells did not grow. Um, I, you do need you can calculate how much protein you need. Uh, the formula is 0. 0.8 milligrams. Per kilogram of ideal body weight. Um, so I think a 170 pound man, don't quote me exactly on this, but I think I calculated once it was about 55 to 60 grams of protein. And you want to make sure that that's mostly plant protein.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Here's a funny question What is Dr. Klonicky? Yeah. He- I don't know. There's so many ways to answer. I'm guessing they're asking what your medical specialty is, is my guess, right? Oh,
1: well, uh, you know, I've had many over the years. I was board certified in family practice, nuclear medicine and lifestyle medicine. I don't know if that helps.
0: Nice. Okay. so
1: Most of the time I did nuclear medicine, but I'd have to say that the thing that's that I'm most passionate about is lifestyle medicine, because I think uh, our job as physicians should be to help patients get well, not just to patch them along the road of more and more care.
0: If you had this information in medical school, do you think you might have chosen another specialty?
1: Uh, no, but I don't think I would have needed a bypass. And I don't think I would yeah. I, I would have yeah. never been obese, and I would have never had I, diabetes.
0: I mean, that operation is not like getting your teeth clean. That's a big operation. Like how long did it take you to recover? And, and I'm guessing it was pretty painful, right? Afterwards?
1: Yeah. No, the recovery wasn't bad. But, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, going into it, and I think I mentioned it in the book is that, you know, you get informed consent before surgery. And I was impressed by the number of ways I could die, you know, <laughs> undergoing a surgery that was supposed to help me.
0: <laughs> it's something. Alyssa uh, says this was a very nice presentation. We're talking today to Dr. Andrew Clonicky about his new book, Bypass, and his journey of having bypass surgery and then becoming plant-based. So I saw a, a really interesting, uh, Alyssa is saying it's a wonderful presentation, and Susanna is saying we need more doctors like Dr. Clonicky to give these types of presentations to medical school. So one of the viewers is saying, what are your thoughts on statins since you have had bypass surgery, but you also eat whole food plant?" Based.
1: well you know it's interesting I did a video for the cardiac rehab program uh, at Kaiser and and I guess I I guess they I remember they came to the house and they actually took a video of Kathy and I cooking and the videographer stayed for dinner and uh, they show that so I was kind of surprised but um you know so, so, but and I've gotten feedback, you know, on the video I talk about stopping my statin, and apparently, I guess the powers that be didn't like that, you know. Um, but I, I think the problem is with cholesterol. I don't see. See, I think we've simplified the problem. We've oversimplified the problem. and go, oh, your cholesterol's too high. You're going to have heart disease. So we're going to lower your cholesterol. And you're going to have less heart disease. Well, it cholesterol is one of the factors, but there's so many other factors: the inflammation, the TMAO, um, and I, I think that cholesterol is only a, a yardstick. It's only it's only a, it's only, it's a measure that indicates we're eating a lousy diet, and so I think it's a surrogate for all these other things: the inflammation and the TMAO and we're not eliminating those by going on statins. Um I think Esselstyn says you're 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 your vascular disease free if your cholesterol is less than 150 and your LDL less than 80. If my levels had not gone to those number below those numbers with diet I probably would have stayed on statin but it's irrelevant. I why would I need the statin so I think we're misleading people by prescribing the statins only and not changing diets because there's a lot of other factors that are not going to be resolved by statins that's my gripe you know it's it's an easy fix that doesn't take care of the whole problem and if you're I think at this point in my life if you're not If you're a physician and someone's got a high cholesterol and you're not counseling them on diet and you're only handing them a statin, I think you're committing malpractice. I I think you're not telling the patient the truth. And so I'll tell you one quick story. My last year at Kaiser, I was able to convince administration to have a whole food plant-based lifestyle type program for patients with chronic disease. One of, my, one of the people who signed up was this young fellow, who had a hereditary high cholesterol. It was almost 400. And the only thing that lowered his cholesterol was this new medication, which also caused severe <laughs> angioedema, which is an allergic reaction. So whenever he'd, he'd end up in the emergency room, so he decided to do something else. So he went on the whole foods plant-based diet. And in the eight weeks of the program, he dropped his cholesterol from 360 down to 170 with diet not with a drug that caused him to have an allergic reaction. I mean, it was incredible. So
0: That's amazing. Wow. How's he doing now? You don't know.
1: Well, it's been 4 years. So okay. hopefully well.
0: <laughs> so One of the viewers is saying, in your presentation, you noted nuts, but some of your slides highlighted Dr. Esselstyn. What are your thoughts on nuts?
1: I think, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Esselstyn once stayed at the house and I made him oatmeal and he said to me, do you have any nuts? And I go, what are you talking about? You said no nuts. And he goes, well, I have to say no nuts because people can't. Stay within the recommended amount. You know, like say, like uh, serving a walnut is a quarter cup. He says the problem with nuts is that people buy a can and they eat them things all day, all day long, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we do have nuts. I had I have two Brazil nuts a day, and occasionally I'll add an eighth of a uh, cup of chopped walnuts to uh, my oatmeal. So, I think nuts are probably. My opinion is that nuts are okay as long as they're eaten in limited quantities, and and you have to adhere to, you know, what what is what is the recommended amount, you know. Now, yeah. most things in most things in the calorie density chart, anything on the left side, below the green, to the left of the right, you don't have to measure that stuff, you know. You, yeah. you can't, but avocado a serving of avocado is one-fifth the avocado you can't have the whole thing you know and <laughs> you know nuts there's serving sizes you know you could a quarter cup at most you know so and, and there's good stuff in there uh, but you don't want to take more than a quarter cup because you're going to get a too many calories and be too much fat yeah right i don't know hopefully it- that answers the question
0: um, You know, I noticed in your book, you have some recipes, but you don't have your famous muffins.
1: Oh, no. Oh, shoot. I don't. Well, they're on Kathy's website. You know, she's nice. It.
0: And they're also they're also on my YouTube channel. Yes. Dixie. What did you say? Was it that helped to cause preeclampsia in pregnancy?
1: I think that was one of the low carb diets, keto diets. Okay. You know, so. um Okay. I think, Oh think-
0: yeah. Here's a Oh, thank you for coming back, Karen, cuz on the last show which was a cooking demo, she asked a medical question. And I said I can't answer, but we have a doctor coming on at 11 that could. So she wants to know how much additional warfarin would you have to eat to be able to eat a lot more green vegetables while on warfarin. That's a blood thinner, right?
1: Oh boy. Uh mm. You know, that's unfortunately not my area of expertise. I I, I do know that there's some foods that interfere, but uh, that's, I, I, I'm i sorry. I can't answer that question for you.
0: I'm trying to think who's coming on. Do you think Dr. McDougall could answer it? He's coming on Monday. He
1: might, he might, yeah. Thanks. Uh, and speaking
0: might. of McDougall, there's a question from Julie. Did you ever go on one of his adventure trips?
1: Well, I don't know what his adventure trips are, but I did take his course in Santa Rosa, which I found interesting.
0: Uh, He used to take people to Costa Rica.
1: Oh, no, I didn't go with him on that. Yeah, no. I just did his course in Santa Rosa. And it was kind of interesting because I sat next to Neil Bernard. I remember looking at him going, what the hell are you doing here? Don't you? (laughs) That is
0: so fun. I know. I just, you know, Dr. McTuber doesn't live in, now that I'm closer, he doesn't live in Santa Rosa anymore. But that would be so cool to to take a new person. Where
1: does he live? Did he move to Portland? He
0: moved right out. You know, he lost everything in the fire, which I think was, was that 2016. And so he lives in Portland near his son, Craig.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yes. I was sad. I was sad that he left Kaiser, Portland.
0: Yeah, he was great. So, you know, everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody that comes on the show gets asked, what do you eat in a day? And what do you do for exercise? Question. That's always a good way to wrap up because it's okay. Yeah.
1: Inspiring. Well, uh, I like. I like making my own bread. It's mostly, I I get whole grain wheats and grind them in my uh, Vitamix. Uh, And there's actually a couple of walnuts in there. So I'll start the day with a toast with a little bit of nut butter and sliced bananas. And depending on what time I get up, I might have some oatmeal later. Uh, Lunchtime is is often leftovers. We might have bean chili, Um, I make a vegan masaka uh, with eggplant and, and yellow potatoes. Well, Uh, wait a minute. Then
0: why can't you come to one of our potlucks and bring that? That sounds delicious.
1: I I could, I could. That
0: sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, dinner, we have a, uh, we have kind of a stable of meals. You know, we do our own, um, veggie burgers on and, and eat them on, uh, lettuce, um, I shouldn't tell her too much. I should make her buy my book because I tell them in the book. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and your book print. is
0: also on Audible, isn't it?
1: Yes, right. It's fairly inexpensive. I think the print copy is $9.99 and the um, Kindle copy is $2.99. Uh, but, you know, we have a stable of recipes that we really like. I like doing a red pepper mushroom uh, tofu uh, curry. I like doing the masaka. I have a eggplant, uh, not eggplant, but um, broccoli, tofu, uh, stir fry. Kathy has a great squash, black bean casserole. Uh, Wonderful. Oh, adapted from unprocessed, your book, A Lentil Meatloaf, uh, which is awesome. Um, So, you know, and then we'll occasionally take a foray like last night we had um, portobello rubens with a cashew based horseradish sauce uh, and um, kimchi uh, on thin wheat bread and that came out of a cookbook called love and lemons which we like but you know a lot of cookbooks if they have good recipes they'll usually include oil we just admit we just omit it and it's amazing I don't know where people got the idea that oil was so necessary anyhow cuz most of the time you admit it and it's like hmm, didn't know it was gone.
0: Yeah, it, it's just it, you know, I used to I don't teach in person cooking anymore, but I used to make a soup. It's it's my it's a popular recipe of mine called nutrient-rich black bean soup where I would do that obligatory mm, step. Yum yum. You know, you you saute the onion and the garlic in like 4 tablespoons of olive oil, which is a way a lot of recipes start and I'd make it the other way. And either people couldn't tell the difference or they'd pick the one without oil as tasting better. So, it, you know, when you yeah. use oil, you got to use a lot more salt. It's just, it's such, I love how Dr. Wes Youngberg says, oil is a triumph of marketing over science. And if there's anything healthy in the oil, eat the olive or eat the flaxseed, you
1: right, know? Right, 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 yeah. So I, I yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think the one thing that I didn't mention, which I think is critical is that once you eliminate all that oil, And, um, you know, the fat and sugar, you wake up your taste buds, you know, I, I, you know, and, 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 you know, like, it drives me crazy when I go to Trader Joe's, because they have a lot of frozen items that I look at, I go, oh wow, this would probably be this sounds really good. Now look at the back, and it's got like 1500 grams of sodium and I go, not for me. Um, You know, these things go like salt goes straight to your brain and you know that's all you taste then you don't taste anything else and the other thing that i found kind of interesting is that high salt in processed foods is designed to cover up woof which stands for warmed up flavor (laughs) without the salt it would taste terrible you know so put the salt in there to hide it and that's all you're tasting so once you eliminate the salts and the oils from your diet your taste buds all of a sudden recognize flavor. I mean, who whoever thought cauliflower had flavor, you know, but it's not until you eliminate all the bad stuff that you recognize that, you know, broccoli tastes good. Cauliflower tastes good. And I think for us, that was the the big aha moment was that we just felt better. And we go, wow, this is this that that and the blood test results were enough to keep us going. I mean, we don't yeah. want to go there. You know? Did you ever
0: talk to your uh, bypass surgeon or any of the doctors that treated you for heart disease and tell them what you're up to now?
1: No, I never did. You know, um, I you know, my surgeon was a fine fella, you know, and I think I mentioned in the book that he had just climbed Everest. So I figured he'd, he'd be good. He, he'd make it all the way through my surgery. <laughs> but um, I think the you know, the, the thing that, you know, in the forward to the book, I write that, you know, I, I, part of the reason I wrote the book was that I was angry that I did not have the information that could have kept me from having bypass surgery. And, um, you know, so, I mean, and I felt like all my doctors, I felt like they were really good doctors, but, you know, to a certain extent, the fact that they didn't, that they didn't know, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say that they didn't know, because if they did know, And they didn't tell me that it would have been malpractice. You know, Mm. I'm going to assume that they didn't know. Uh, And so that's my mission now is to let people know that this information is out there. It's been out there forever. It's been out there for 30 years. You know, I mean, Nathan Pritkin started it, you know, didn't have all the science, but, you know, he recognized the importance of food. Yeah.
0: Didn't, didn't Dr McDougall like have some law that, that at least the doctor has to tell you did that law ever get passed a b something or other
1: not i'm I'm not aware that it did but yes it I mean that it, that should be the situation but then when you think about it like these poor medical students down on Elk Grove they're getting two hours of nutrition lecture mm-hmm. in four years granted that's two more than I had but <laughs> what, 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 how much good is that going to do? That's just, you know, like, you know, you go into the ocean and all they did to do is put in your toe and then you kind of leave, you know. I mean, you, you don't get into the in, in depth of it all, you know. I'm only hoping that when I tell them stuff that that piques their interest enough that they go further, you know. I mean, th- this book that I was telling you about earlier by uh, Shelpa Ravella, Silent Fire, it's incredible. You know, did, did did you ever have Robert Lustig on? One time, he, yep, right, one time. He wrote a great book too called uh, Metabolical, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was really a great book. I mean, there's there's people that know the stuff and try to tell everybody, but you know, it's it's sort of like my oldest son when he was five. I said, Christopher, can I tell you something? He goes, No, Dad, I don't want to know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: funny that's why people don't want to know a lot about a lot of time about diet because then they might have to change what they're doing and they don't want to
1: right they, right <laughs> and, the, and the, the, i get it you know i get it that people are worried about time uh, but you know you get good at this after a while and you learn shortcuts and um you it, it does it doesn't take as much time as you think once you get into it and by the way it's 30 percent cheaper than eating the other way you know, I mean, people complained about how much meat went up last year. I'm just at home laughing. And go well, beans are still ninety-seven cents a pound. <laughs>
0: yeah, and sometimes cheaper. I've seen them for fifty cents a pound, depending
1: on where you shop. So I know, I know, it's just absolutely crazy. So anyway, um, yeah, it's too bad. I mean, and and also, you know, those OECD statistics about how how unhealthy we are in America. I mean, we just went to Japan, and I it was extremely noticeable. How I mean, besides the fact that they're extremely polite and that there was no garbage on the street, there was no obesity. You it was rare to see someone who looked like they were overweight. Yeah. But you know, you go to the mall here and it's like, you know, one after the other.
0: And let's point out that they eat rice and it's white.
1: That's true. That that is amazing. But they also eat a lot of vegetables. Vegetables, yeah. And and if they do eat animal protein, it's a condiment. It's not a... Right.
0: And even their oil use, from what I understand from my Japanese friends, even though they use it, it's not excessive like it is here.
1: Yeah. Well, I think like the Mediterranean diet, you know, I mean, I had a friend that underwent bypass and he 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 drank a cup of olive oil every day because he heard it was... Yeah,
0: but because completely...
1: he overweight? That's so many calories. I know. No. Yeah, because he heard it was you know heart healthy. You know, I mean they've done a great job. you
0: you would gag on that? I can't imagine. I mean you would gag. Yeah.
1: yeah. So does he but, still do that? No, no. We had a talk, uh, oh, but you know, but I mean the real Mediterranean diet. You know, their their heart healthiness is not because they eat olive oil. I mean they, they use very little olive oil, you know, at all. You know, it's because it's because they're eating fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. By the way, uh, Dan Buettner's book, the, the Blue Zones, I think the commonality of food was lentils. Yeah. So
0: it's it's not because of the olive oil. It's in spite of the olive oil. One right. of the viewers says, why do you eat two Brazil nuts a day? Is it for health reasons?
1: Oh, you know, it's probably a Gregor thing. It's Selenium. You're supposed to get some that has selenium in it. And I can't remember even what it's for, but yeah. I, you know i get hungry at mid-morning so i'll have a a, a medjool date and two uh brazil nuts which probably
0: discipline
1: <laughs> well <gasps> I, I mean it's sort of like i don't know that that does anything for my hunger other than psychologically you know because it's certainly not calorically dense that's for sure <laughs>
0: Uh, so there's a question. Do you have any insight on CKD and recovering kidney function? Just so you know, Dr. McDougall has done several lectures on this channel about yeah. that, Dr.
1: Klonicky. Yeah, right. it, well, you know, I when I think about that question, I think about, um, uh, now who is this guy? The first guy, oh, Kempner, Dr. Kempner. He treated malignant hypertension. This is 30, 40 years ago. He would treat it with the rice diet. Have you ever heard of that? Uh,
0: I had two of his doctors that work with Kempner, Dr. uh, Clarence Grimm and Dr. Francis Nealon. They both worked for him at Duke and they both have been on the show. Yep.
1: Yeah. Did they talk about the rice diet? Absolutely. that they had people. This was before we had medication for high high blood pressure, hypertension, and he, he, people who developed malignant hypertension, where they had kidney failure, you know, eye problems, and and just pressures out sky high. He treated them with the rice diet. That's all they ate is rice. They had a I don't know a pound of rice three times a day, and two thirds of his patients actually got better. And I think they still have a version of the Kemper Kemperner diet but it now includes grains, fruits, and vegetables. Hmm, sounds like a plant-based diet. You know, so I don't have any specific information relative to chronic kidney disease, but I would think that a whole food plant-based diet would be pretty good. You you've got less residue that you have to take care of, kidney-wise filtration, and it, it should be beneficial for you.
0: You know, so what diet, you know, a meat-based diet's not going to help it. Right. So, you know, so it's, it's interesting. So Clark says, what do you think of potassium chloride salt substitute? It's the only salt substitute we can get in Australia.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, Have you tried it? No. uh, Well, maybe, maybe many, many, many years ago, but um, most of our foods, we don't, if we ever use salt, it's a smattering. Uh, I don't cook with salt, and Kathy doesn't cook with salt. Uh, we cook mostly with uh, you know, just herbs and spices, cumin, turmeric, ginger, basil, uh, herbs de Provence, Italian seasoning. Uh, so, and we'll use pepper. So it's rare that we might say, hmm, Should we put a little salt in this? I mean, it's pretty unusual to do that. So um, I don't think it's harmful for you. You know, obviously, um, I think the kidney handles, the body likes potassium better than sodium and the kidneys seem to handle it better than they would sodium. So I don't think it's an issue, but I would say try some of the other herbs and spices first and see if you can't get your flavor that way.
0: Have you ever tried the the salacious or any of the spices from local spicery? Because he's local and he comes to our meetups and they're, they're delicious, some of his I, blends.
1: I have. I can't tell you which offhand because you gave us a couple. And so I have used that. And they seem to say on there what to use it on, you know, so... Yes. It's
0: yummy. He even has a bacon seasoning now and a pepperoni. So they're really good. If you come to the meetup on the 21st, if he's available, I'll try to get him to bring his wares. If, if he's okay. available. Sometimes, okay. sometimes he has another store in Tiburon. So sometimes he has to work. But I'm gonna he comes to all our conferences. He's wonderful. Well, it was so fun catching up with you, Dr. Clonkey. Oh, you didn't mention what you did for exercise and if you exercise. You a golfer? Oh yes.
1: Yes. No, we six days a week we do a two and a half mile walk. And three days a week, I go to a uh, local gym, Rosa Health and Wellness, for resistance uh, kind of stuff. I do about a 40 minute workout three days a week there. And then we always go on our walk, you know.
0: Yep, that's important. What's your favorite meal?
1: What's My your favorite?
0: Rest, what's your favorite restaurant up here? And we live in the same area now. Although I haven't seen him in like two years, so we're trying to get him to come to the meetup and bring that moussaka because it sounds amazing.
1: Okay, I will definitely do that. Um, you know, it's kind of strange. <laughs> uh, we, what, what's our favorite restaurant? I don't know. Yeah. We go out so little. I mean, we we there's a Mongolian that we like. We just don't use any of their sauces, you know, because they're loaded with sugar and oil. Um, we like Ruin Thai, which is a Thai restaurant. I'm gonna say that one of my favorite places is salad works because I love a salad yeah. with, with and you olive. can cu-
0: and you can customize, yeah. I love that right. too. Right. The owner is now a friend of mine, yeah. I'm yeah.
1: sure she'd be happy full, to hear that. Faux fresh is pretty good. Um yeah, when we go for a fancy meal, which is rarely, we actually go to Hawks because we know the we know the chef over there, and and he'll they'll prepare plant based meals for us. I um, think we actually had our fiftieth uh, wedding anniversary dinner there, and you know they were very good about accommodating, and they did cauliflower steaks, and yeah, I don't remember everything now, but you know, and I think that that's you know if you have a place you like to go you can, you know just as you've done you, you talk with the with the chef and it's kind of interesting they actually like cooking plant-based you know i mean that's what they, they're trained classically you know i mean how much what kind of skill does it take to cook a steak you know any guy can do that in his backyard <laughs> exactly. you know but yeah. you tell them i like a plant-based meal i like beans i like mushrooms I like grains yeah and all of a sudden they're going this is great i, I can do this you know we've we've I always had great luck doing that.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So thank you so much, Dr. Klonicki. Congratulations on your new book, guys. You can get it at the link below. It's also available on Audible. You can watch him making muffins on the link there as well. So happy healthy New Year, Dr. Klonicki.
1: Well, the same to you, Chef AJ. And I put the 21st down on my calendar here. Hopefully we can make it. Where is it again?
0: It's at Maristam and everybody's invited by the way this if you want to come to my monthly potlucks just join healthy living in Lincoln on meetup it's free and we have a wonderful band coming on the 21st it's free you just bring a dish to share as long as it's vegan and labeled. it doesn't have to be super strict but a lot most of the people are SOS free yeah. there. And it, we had people coming in from Fresno, Washington State, Massachusetts just to come and see the party boys.
1: All right, At Mer- And it's called what is it called the Maristem. It's
0: a school in Faroes. Okay.
1: And one of Very our good.
0: one of our members, well you know Twyla, she works there and so she was able we she was able to rent it to us. It's a beautiful location with ample parking. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. I think you'll really like. I want yeah. to try that moussaka. So thanks so much Dr. Clancy. Yeah. Thank
1: helpful. you and say hi to Charles.
0: Absolutely. You say hi to Kathy and thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Just want to remind you that the bundle book sale from my publisher ends tomorrow. You get both books cheaper than you would separately, including free shipping in the United States, as well as many, many bonuses. And please come back at about 3 p.m. today when my guest is Al Schmidt. He reversed his heart disease, not starting this diet till he was 80. And today is his 88th birthday. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for watching. If you like it, you see, maybe give it a thumbs up and consider subscribing because Monday we have 13 hours of Chef AJ live. I'm doing a marathon, kind of like the Twilight Zone marathon, but just to inspire you to get healthy in the new year. And if you subscribe, you get the notification anytime I go live. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.